Arizona Science is supported by Research Corporation for Science Advancement. For AZPM, I'm Tim Swindle, Professor Emeritus of Planetary Science at the University of Arizona, and this is Arizona Science. Joining me today is Maggie O'Hare, Associate Dean of Research in the University's College of Veterinary Medicine, who studies the ways humans interact with animals. Welcome, Maggie. Thank you so much for having me. Maggie, the study that caught my eye was one that you're doing on using dogs to help veterans with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. We all know that dogs are great, so why does that need to be studied? You know, that's a question that I get asked a lot. You know, I love my pet. I love animals. Why do we need to study this? Well, there's a few reasons why I think it's important to study, and a lot of them relate to these service dogs for veterans. So when we look at that practice, we know that it's increasing in demand. Wait lists are extremely long. The average wait time between the day someone says, I desperately need a service dog, and the day they're paired is on average two years. Throughout the pandemic, we saw that go up to five years from the day you need a dog to the day you're paired. And what we see is that although the practice and the popularity is growing, the research is lagging behind. So we don't have the evidence to support this practice, which means there isn't enough resources to support it, not enough funding, and the wait lists remain long without this kind of evidence. If you're studying this using science, that consists of measuring things. What are the kinds of things that you're measuring? We are measuring several things about service dogs and veterans. So we try to take a holistic look at both the veteran and the dog. So with the veteran, we start with their self-report, their lived experience, doing standardized surveys, the same types of things you would go in if you were in a clinical trial for depression or anxiety for a medication. We use those same measures to see if a service dog makes a difference. On the dog side, we try to have something analogous. We don't actually do surveys with the dogs. We can't ask them how they are feeling about it, but we do our best through other metrics, looking at their behavior and their physiology. So we also do stress hormones in the dogs. We look at their temperament and their behavior, and we also look at their sleep and activity as well. Service dogs are being used in more and more settings. Is it different dogs thrive in different settings? That is certainly the case. So we are seeing by far the number of roles for dogs in our society increasing day by day. Historically, if you looked at it, you might just think companion animals and assistance animals for physical disabilities such as mobility. Today, we see psychiatric service dogs, mobility, medical alert service and assistance dogs. We also see therapy dogs visiting patients in hospitals and nursing homes. We also see emotional support dogs who people have for support in their homes. And as this grows, we need to know more and more about which animals will thrive in which roles and what the impact of those interactions are. We've talked a lot about dogs. Do you study other kinds of animals and what kinds of settings do you study? We, for the most part at the moment, we're focused predominantly on dogs. I would say that's because they're the most common species that's involved in these type of interventions. We've done several systematic reviews on animal-assisted intervention, and what we see is that the most common species is dog, followed by horses. We do not see much research yet on cats, although we are starting to see a growth in that area. I think part of the reason is most research has historically been done in labs or settings outside of the home where cats are typically not going and are not feeling as comfortable. So the more we can develop our methodology to support cats' needs in their own element, the better our data can become. How did you get started on this field of research? When I wanted to get started in this field, there was not a lot of research or activity going on. So I had to start to pave the path 
on my own and really advocate to organizations why they needed science to study what they were already doing so well. And today I'm excited to report that here at the University of Arizona, our College of Veterinary Medicine has identified human-animal interaction as the flagship priority research area for our college. So in my role, I get to lead growing the largest group of faculty researchers on the planet focused on this topic. I developed a classroom-based program for children with autism, and what I found is that although many adults are most excited about dogs, horses, cats, children are fascinated by all living creatures, and this really changed the landscape of their school environment. I had parents say to me, my child would not get in the car to go to school before. Now he says he has friends. He, When he's stressed, he can go sit next to the guinea pig's cage. You know, unlike a dog or a horse, they can't hang out in the classroom in the same spot every day. But these animals provided consistency and support. And that experience showed me that this is important. It is worth study, and it can be done. Well, thank you, and good luck. <laughs> thank you very much. Our guest today has been Maggie O'Hare, an expert on human-animal interactions. This is Tim Swindle, and you've been listening to Arizona Science. You can also listen to this and other Arizona Science segments by going to the AZPM website at azpm.org. Thank you to Research Corporation for Science Advancement for their support of Arizona Science.